Hey, Stu, your rent's due, motherfucker. Hey, Aries, you heard about that new uh, podcast app called Anchor? I sure did, Andy. Guess what? It's time to pay some bills. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. And they have tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And we know you know about that money, Jew boy. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go download your Anchor app now for free, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started today. Can you feel it, baby? That money? Yeah. And don't be pulling that falling down the stairs shit on me, you hear? Hello, all my motherfuckers out there in Spearsburg, A&A land. Welcome, welcome, welcome one more again uh, from the top. Remember, if you're new to the podcast, uh, email me, Spears 45 at Hotmail with any questions, concerns. You want to get your shit off, you want to get some shit off your chest, express how you feel. Um, and also if you're new to the podcast, thank you for subscribing. Thank you for downloading. But, uh, I will always say, don't do yourself the disservice. Start from episode one, binge listen and try and go in order so you can track the evolution of this motherfucker. And so that certain jokes and shit, you will understand and you won't have to ask questions like, um, what does $10 a lot of money mean? So welcome, uh, do your homework, baby. Start from the beginning. I promise you it's worth it. While you're listening to this podcast, we are going to be uh, in Philadelphia. We'll be at Helium in Philly. Yes. Next week, Gino's Steaks, baby. Gino's, Gino, Gino's Cheese Steaks. I'm fucking, and you said there was another place we're going to check out, right? Delisandro's we were supposed to get to. And Which we it, never got to. But uh, I'm, I'm sold, man, on uh, it, it's John's uh, Pork Sandwich. Well, we'll fuck with that, too. Uh, yeah. But if you're in Philly, you got to do the Philly thing. You got to do the, the cheesesteak thing. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? We're in Phoenix right now. And this is this is one of those where we're on a good run. Uh, here at Stand Up Live in Phoenix. Then next week, we got Philly. Then the week after that, we in Irvine because Cali is open back up. Yep. So we on a good comedy run uh, before we hit Shitsville, which will be, I guess, coming up sometime soon. And I just wanted to point out, as Harry said, we're in Phoenix, where I'm from, and we're here on the first day of playoffs. Yeah! And the Phoenix Suns got they balls in the Lakers. So uh, I, I, I'm not... LeBron is resting a lot, so I'm, I'm still worried. I'm worried. But, you, think uh, they gonna, you think Phoenix will win this series? I want... Obviously, I want Phoenix to win this series. 
I would love to see my two favorite teams are, are, are the Knicks and, and Phoenix, the Suns. Suns right. I grew grew up on, but I was in Tucson, so I you know I didn't have that kind of allegiance where I grew up as my team. Uh, so New York was my favorite place in the world. So New York was, and the Knicks were amazing in the seventies. So that's kind of how I. Those are my two teams. If they got to play together, I, I would love to see a series with them. Now, because I, I I had stated that I don't like this whole bubble shit. And I don't like not seeing the fans in the stands. I have not been following basketball. I fell off once the pandemic fucked us up. But uh, I do know this much: the Phoenix Suns don't they have the best record in the league? No, they had they won. Utah, who, who has the best? I don't know. I thought the Phoenix Suns had the best record. No, not the best. But they had they won fifty one games. I, I think they had the best. Uh, I don't. See, I, I don't, I don't, I don't even shit. know. I don't even know. I. Well, they're good enough where they got home court. Yeah, they got uh, over the Lakers. Yeah, over the Lakers. So we are in town. The hotel we're staying is actually damn near across the street from the arena. So LeBron is right now while we're recording this playing right it, here in Phoenix. Um, and the Suns, the score is seventy-one fifty-eight. Um, I really, I, you know, because it's LeBron and you got AD. I, I don't want to bet against the Lakers, but I really hope the Suns dead these niggas. Because if LeBron gets outed in the first round and he doesn't win a ring this year, I think that finally puts to bed the Jordan-LeBron. But you're rooting against someone to make someone else better. What do you mean? You're rooting against LeBron to make Jordan better. Jordan's already the best, and it doesn't make a difference well, no, what no, LeBron no. You does. You don't have to sell me on that. I'm just saying for the naysayers that will still try to keep that argument alive. I've been th- thought that argument was dead. But for those who still believe there's life in that argument, this will put the steam out of that shit. Yeah, but uh, Chris Paul got hurt early, and uh, this is going to be a tough series. It was going to be a tough series with Chris Paul at 100%. Um, it's going to be a tough series. I'm, I'm like I said, and they're resting LeBron. They're, LeBron's not playing a lot of minutes here, so right. we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I, I, and I, I know why you feel the way because we we saw Jordan play, so we've already had this conversation. But you know, LeBron is the greatest of his generation. No, I'm not even doubting that Out of this generation. I'm not even yeah. doubting that. Uh, but all I'm saying is for people that because if he wins a ring this year, what is that? Five? Yeah, is that five, five now? Yeah. Is it five? I think he it'll be Lakers, five. Lakers, Cleveland, twice with Miami. Yeah, it'll be five down. So he'll be one away from tying Mike. Um, but if he if he if he don't win this year, uh, fuck that. That's over. That debate is <laughs> over. This is the final chapter of the Friday the Thirteenth series. There's just no debate to me. It, it, it's not even. Nah, I'm not even going to worry about it. I, I know there's ones out there, but it's it's not a debate. It's not a debate. Uh, it, it would be fly though if if t- tonight's our last show in Phoenix, it'd be dope if LeBron came to the show. Yeah, you know, because because they, they're here, uh, home court, so they're gonna be here for a, cu- a while, uh, at least another game. And I gotta imagine when the game is over, what they gonna all go back to their hotel room for the night? They ain't gonna be like, yo, what's here to do tonight? I, I yo, let's to- go see some comedy. Who is it? Him? Let's go. <laughs> I would love to see that. It's it, it, they're still in uh, COVID protocol, the uh, the NBA. So I don't think they can come out. I think they do have to go to the room. But if you look at the, you know how you said uh, there's no one at the stands. And right. Took a, it's a, look at look look how full the stand, look how full the stands are. Well, see that's why I'm thinking maybe there isn't a protocol because if there was a protocol, why would all those people be in the arena? That, but 
the NBA has a protocol. Like they could let people in the fans, but the the players still have to go uh, and and quarantine. Damn. I think I think I, I could be completely wrong, I, but that's what I heard anyway. Mm. If LeBron does come to the show tonight, I'm gonna say, uh, Yo, LeBron, man, yo, you dope, man, but show, man, MJ, son, nah. Do you do you honestly think? Do you, I know jo- Jordan would care because that's Jordan's personality. But LeBron, the man who who he is, yeah. Do you, do you think, think he, he cares? would care? Think I he- think they all care. The athletes, they try to act. They, come on, man. Their whole DNA is built on competition, trying to be the best and be better than. So, well, Chris Ball went back to the locker room. So here we are, and the and the Lakers are making a little. Well, it's just some niggas in the NBA they just stay hurt. Damn, he got hit in the neck. If he gets hit in the fingernail, he's out. No, no, he got hit in the neck. I think he has a stinger in the neck, and he's been trying to bring the ball up, and he's not. He's his control isn't all there. All right. So you digging Phoenix? You home? Yeah, I like being home a little bit. Um, this crowd, the crowds have been fucking awesome. The energy has been awesome. Oh man, it's so fucking wonderful. This is my home room. This is my home club. Uh, you know, Tempe uh, is the other club here, and they're owned by the same the same guys, and. Uh, I mean, they're both great clubs, so I, I'm happy being out here performing either ones. But this is my home. this this one is the one I get more nervous for. I told you because like right. when you come home, you wanna. Okay, so look at it like stand up live is uh, Yankee Stadium, and Tempe's where the Mets play. No, because they're both great in their own right. The, and and which is the better one? It's different. Uh, the Tempe one has more of a college. There's a lot more college there, but it's it, it isn't necessarily based on the college because comedy is a destination. Um, you know, I, I'm going to say this. And Which one do you feel more comfortable? There's something about Tempe improv that I really, really like, no matter what, how many people are at the show. But when this went... So, like, if I had to do... A, if, if there was a show and there was only 100 people showed up to it, right. Tempe improv all day. But... A packed house, stand up live because the room is so big, and right. if you fill that room, uh, the way it's set up, right. the way the sound is, it's unbelievable. But you've only put a hundred people in that room, and you know, I like I came up in that room, so we did shows where maybe there was only seventy five people in the room, right. and it just doesn't have that sound. But Tempe Tempe Improv, it, it, the sound is it's a, it, the room set up different, so it sounds all right. This is. Uh, there's no better club out of these two. They're, they both have. Oh, someone else got hurt in the Lakers. But they both have uh, their ups and their advantages and disadvantages. But I, I like both of these clubs. I, this is the this is the part about Phoenix I do like coming home to. This and I have my 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 motorcycle to ride around. Yeah, man. I fi- I, I know you talked about that, and I finally saw you uh, when you came to do press with me the day after I got here, and I saw you on that bike, and I said, "This motherfucker really has a motorcycle, man." I'm telling you. I don't know which person it was that wrote in and said Andy is the coolest white Mex Jew on the planet. But yeah, man, it's starting to all come together, nigga. The coat, the motorcycle, <laughs> the fucking <laughs> the DJing, the 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 millionaire friends. Yeah, man, Andy's starting to I'm starting to see it now. I, I'm that you know, when you see people that it all makes sense. You see a big group of people and there's that one guy who doesn't really fit in with the group. Right. I'm that guy. Right. I'm the guy. Fit in with the group, but I've been. I have lots of friends because I just have my. I've done my own home, my own thing this whole time. Yeah. So I wish it was more successful, but it's my own. Big shout out to uh, Ghetto Casanova. Uh, Came a, out last a night. Frequent uh, writer into the show. 
came out last night, supported us. Much love to you, dog. Thank you so much for the continued support. We love seeing you uh, come to the show. We love the fact that you listen to the pod. We love the fact that you write in. So thank you, brother. Uh, anytime anybody listens to this, man, and y'all show up at the show, it feels good. You make me smile. You make me take my earbuds out my ears and talk to you yeah, and, uh, and listen to you. And to all the other uh, uh, listeners that did come out, because we had we had quite a few people that yeah, came out. Uh, yeah. they're not, they don't write in, but they listen and they, they tell us about the podcast. Shout out to the dude who had the T-shirt made that said Spears and Steinberg on it. I have his name too. I'm going to grab it. Uh, that was a cool. That was a cool T-shirt he did. We have to, we have to follow up and uh, get something done as well. Um, let's see if I can find him in here real quick. I never know how to use my phone. Mm. That's not it. But in the meantime, yeah, um, yeah, uh, appreciate y'all. <laughs> So what you want to rock and roll on? I mean, obviously, we're going to have to touch. Uh, yeah, I think we should send that out. We should send out our respects. Well, before we do that, because uh, I think that that's obviously going to eat up most of the pod time. I uh, want to tell you all, if you all hadn't heard, I, I know I, I think I had mentioned it. I did Russell Peters podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, culturally canceled. Uh, it was a two-parter. Uh, the first episode aired this past Thursday. It was with me, Big Daddy Kane. Lord Finesse, and uh, Mad Skills. Uh, so, so a hip-hop icon and, you know, uh, Kane and respectfully Lord Finesse. Um, and we did it at Russell's crib, uh, his new crib. Oh, he has a new place? Yeah, man. Um, and and uh, uh, so it's a two-parter. The first one aired this Thursday. The second part airs next Thursday. Uh, and I remember when I was originally supposed to do this, uh, I had to cancel because I had something else I, that I had to do. It came up that was important. But it was going to be Mick, me, Russell, and Nick Turturro, uh John Turturro's brother. And I've, you did a podcast. Yeah, with and, I did, and I've done Nick's podcast twice. Matter of fact, he just hit me up. Uh, God damn! And asked me to do it a third time, which I'm going to do. But I, I felt it, and even Russell confirmed it. Russell was like, yo, man. I'm glad you missed that one because don't get me wrong, I think that would that one would have been good too. But the one with me, Russell, Kane, Finesse, and Skills was he even said he was like, "Yo, this is the best one I've ever done," uh, because it was really a great conversation about rap, where rap is today, the state of hip hop, the young heads versus the old heads. Then we we segued into some of the the, the similarities in terms of comedy. Um, and then it brought itself back out to hip hop, and it was just fucking incredible. And and it was crazy because uh, here's what I'm I, I really am finding out about this podcast shit. There's an art to interviewing. There's an art to being interviewed, giving interviews, uh, and 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 speaking in interviews. And sometimes, especially with dudes who aren't comics, because um, comics, I think our innate. Uh, intuition is to go for it to, to, to go for the jugular you know to, to 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 put it out there we want we want a reaction whereas sometimes especially rappers they all play it cool they, they play it cool they rap i'm cool and kane is already a it's almost like ll gets the credit for being the ladies man the suave ladies man but kane was that too i forgot till he mentioned it he pulled he posed for playgirl really yeah and and he always had that, you know, 
dark chocolate, smooth persona. And so when he first when we first started doing the podcast, he was real, yo, what's up, y'all? This is Big Daddy Kane. You know, yeah, laid back. Uh Lord Finesse was kind of quiet and talking and and it what and listen, I, you know, listen, I'm not I'm not bragging here, but even Russell was like, yo, you took over, dog. Like you this is my shit, and you took over. You I was interviewing niggas, I was asking questions, I was cracking jokes, and I'm saying all that to say. The first 15 minutes, if it would have stayed, yeah, you know, cool, blah, 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 it would have been a lame podcast. But the more I got aggressive, the, the funnier I became, the funnier Russell became, it loosened Kane up, finesse up, and then they started getting animated. And it just ended up being great, man. It would have sounded like an old jazz station if it would have stayed in that. Yeah, that welcome to 98.77 Jams. Well, we play all the hits coming up next. John Coltrane uh, with a hit record he had back in, uh, I think it was 1987. John Coltrane, he did a song with Shirley Bapst uh, and the Jazz Water Trio. You don't want to miss this. This is a great song, guys. <laughs> to all the listeners out there, um, dial in and you can win tickets to a free concert at the Rose Bowl two weeks from today in July. It's going to be great. Here's John Coltrane. <laughs> yeah, so and you don't want that. <laughs> you might you might if you ever get tired of being on the road, you might want to switch over. Dude, do you know how much I've practiced that? Yeah. That's that's always been my Hey LA, how you doing? This is the Midnight Madness show. Welcome. My name is uh uh Muddy Waters. I know that's a real jazz person, but uh I couldn't think of anything that fast. Be the twentieth caller and uh we'll put you into some good seats for a round trip ticket uh to the Bahamas. For you and your loved one. Uh, coming up next on the Mixmaster Jam, this is uh, the coolest DJ in America, uh, Andy Cocaine Steinberg. Come on. <laughs> hey, <laughs> when you brought up Big Daddy Kane, though, uh, and then you said a Playgirl, and I went, if they offer, how much money? Me? They have, yeah, they, they said, yeah, we want Aerie Spears in our, in our Cute and Cuddly episode. Uh, <laughs> cute and Cuddly, you fuck. <laughs> That means budgie, nigga. (laughs) 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 How much? How much money? Oh shit! Do you see this? Mike Tyson knockout, a a, a documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that's coming up. Yeah. Oh shit! Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, How much? How much money is it take? My dick is not worthy of a spread, nigga. (laughs) Unless I pull my dick out and it takes up the whole page. Uh, My dick. My dick is like the Hulk, nigga. When it's Bruce Banner, uh, it's it's laughable, but when I'm hard, I'm the, I'm the Hulk. You're a grower, not a shower. Yeah, 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 uh, <laughs> yeah. Put that in the jazz voice. You're you're a grower, not a shower. Uh, you're black, but you don't really have a big cock. Uh, yeah, man. So, uh, so, no, I, I so they gave you a million. It. They gave you. They, somebody said hundred thousand, two pages. You ain't, you ain't gonna take it. Dude, I gotta be in pristine shape, nigga. <laughs> and my dick's gotta be half hard, nigga. Just, that, that's the deal, you mean? Yeah, man. I got to be right, nigga. Uh, that's fine. I'd almost, and if it was a good enough comedy, well written comedy movie, I, I'd be quicker to show my shit in a movie comedically than take me serious in a nude magazine. Because the comedy is at least based in humor, the, the situation. I don't want the magazine to be the joke. Okay. You know, 
I don't want this to be the whole episode, but I have to ask you this question because yeah. you said the comedy is what makes it for you. So that right. you, what what's uh, I'm gonna, guys, and we already know my name, my problem with names. Who's the 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 Asian comic that was a doctor? Ken Jeong. Ken Jeong, and he does that scene in. Uh, oh, Hangover, where they show his dick and all that. Is you would you would do that scene? Yeah, yo. Yeah, for what that movie was, that was a huge hit, man. Hangover to spawn sequels, nigga. Yeah, yo. So, but you don't know it's going to do sequels. You don't know what the no, budget. no. Then, but 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 if you could kind of get a feel, major studio, a list motherfuckers, the you know Bradley Cooper, a list. My man, I forget what his name is. I always almost get him confused with Jason Sudeikis. Uh, Whoever that dude is that played the one with the tooth knocked out, Zach Galifianakis, uh, yeah, big budget, yeah, I, I'd, I'd roll the dice on that. <laughs> yeah, do you think the director just to be a dick would call for a second take just 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 to make the person- he can have as many takes as he wants, <laughs> as many takes as he wants. Um, so yeah, it was a good thing, and and and. Uh, you know, when you get a motherfucker cracking up and rolling, uh, you're proud of yourself. And there was one moment where we were talking about comedy and in terms of what's too soon. And 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 I remember Mad Skills asked me, "Is there a such thing as too soon?" I said, "Yes," in terms of timing when it's a tragedy. No, in terms of comedy when it's a joke. Uh, in the name of comedy. Uh, and I told him that joke that I said when the kid from Crisscross died. And I said, damn, I wonder if they're going to put him in the casket backwards. Yo, Kane dropped the mic, walked away from the table. Skills dropped the mic. Them niggas hit the floor. So uh, that was cool. I got to tell you something that Russell told me that made me laugh. And again, this is why I love Patrice so much. We ended up talking about Patrice, of course. And Russell Coe's. One time he was hanging out with Patrice, and Patrice slapped his arm back like that. And went, look, man, you funny, but not to the point where you should have all the shit you got. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's great. You funny, but not to the point where you should have all the shit you got. I don't think... (laughs) I don't want to sound disrespectful to, uh, to Russell. You agree. I'm not, I'm not saying I agree. Russell deserves everything that he gets because, yes. he, des- because yes. he can get it. Yes. But that's a lot of shit. Yes. Forbes magazine. Well, here's the thing, though. And, and this is like, nigga, what a problem, I guess. You know, he moved. So I thought I was going to do the podcast where we did it at his house. Yeah. But he moved. And he was like, uh, I downgraded. Oh, downgraded. Now, he bought the house that... Remember before OJ went on the Bronco chase? Mm-hmm. The house OJ was at that day, and then he left that house in the Bronco chase. Russell bought that house. So he, in Bre- it's Brentwood, though, right? Uh, no, it's uh, it's uh, uh, Encino. Encino, okay. Yeah, and it's a beautiful house. It ain't what his house was, but it's a beautiful house. The front door is all glass. And it's fucking like a museum. Like you walk into it. It's, it's a beautiful house. It's smaller. But I'm like, nigga, this is a downgrade. And, but it's a downgrade. 
And 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 Russell told I said, and I pulled him aside, and I was like, and, and it's got that when you walk in. We did it. We did the podcast in this pool area. The pool area, hangout, cabana area looks like a hotel, like a nice hotel pool. The fucking inside where the TV is underneath, it's got that long glass where you could tell it's a fireplace and and under behind the glass. Yeah. Uh, big spacious kitchen. So it's it's a, it's a nice downgrade. And I just went, hey Russ, man, I just, I want to ask you, brother, why you downgrade? And he was like, yo, man, my accountant told me, man. He's like, man, you're a downgrade. You're going broke. Well, yeah, you can't keep spending money, though, all the time. Like well, no, but he said, dude, he said, between my divorce, oh. 200000 I got to pay these lawyers. And he said, you know, I'm not working like I was working before. Well, yeah. Yo, man, and this is why I go, this is one of those where it makes you step back and go, Aries, you do a lot of bitching. But, nigga, you are working. Yeah. Now, Russell is, you know, known all over the world. I mean, he can sell out arenas, but it ain't happening. Because, yeah, everything got shut down. But everything's been shut down, but I've been still – I mean, I've had my cancellations and move dates, but I've been working, nigga. Yeah. I know. I'm the luckiest opener that's out there right now. (laughs) (laughs) I told you, Neri, that nigga took a job, I told you. Yeah, I'm – Man, I couldn't have been in a better position. I, I really excuse me. I'm gonna just turn your air on real quick, if I could. Go ahead. No, I felt lucky that uh, I don't even know how to turn the thing on. I do. Yeah, I know because you're prolific at hotels. You've been doing it for thirty years. Thirty-one. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I've always felt fortunate that that uh, I got to go out on the road with you right now because I didn't know hardly anybody that was opening. Most people in my position. Uh, that I know that lived in New York all went back home, right? Because there wasn't enough work to to justify staying uh, and paying those kind of rents on the East Coast, right? So I'm very fortunate that, and my girlfriend's a lawyer. Uh, those are two who, uh, yeah, I told you, nigga, Coke, a Harley, a lawyer, girlfriend, <laughs> rich friends, dude. I'm telling you. So can I make an, an announcement on our podcast? Because yeah. I'll share this with the uh, with our listeners. Yeah, because Tara didn't know if I was going to share this like this. Oh. And now, and I have to tell some other people that are close to me before this comes out. Uh, I actually, and you know this, uh, I actually got engaged. I, uh, hey, uh, I gave her, I gave her the ring because uh, she could put up with me through all this. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, I didn't tell her I was doing it. And about ten days, I knew about ten days that I had the ring coming. Uh, right. Was getting put on the the band or whatever, and uh, I was a dick for ten days. I yeah. was just a straight up asshole, right? For ten days, because um, I had to know, right? And she got it, so I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm, I'm. Well, congratulations! Thank you very brother. much. Shit, uh, I wish you better luck than I ever had. I'll let everybody know where they can send gifts as soon as I register. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to it, nigga. Let's get to it. Um, the passing of an icon, of a comedy legend. Uh, Paul motherfucking Mooney. Um, any thoughts before? Uh... Uh, it's not a thought. It's just get, uh, it, he is a legend and uh, never got what he deserved. But I, I, but respect and admiration from the whole comedy community, right? But didn't get it from a, the the masses. 
The industry. The industry. He was the people's champ, not the paper champ. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's we we can talk about this more, but he was one of those people that when I met him, and I was so fortunate to meet him, and this is one of the greatest things about working with you, and I and I've told you that you know I do feel fortunate because you open up doors for me that I never thought I would have, and to had spent even a. Uh, just meeting him would have been a big deal, but we actually right. hung out for for about an hour, hour and a no, half. No, I just have to point this out, though. Just This was Paul post-damn dementia, right? Yeah. That you met him. Yeah, he, was, yeah. he, he wasn't he was 100% himself. See, this is what I'm – and I'm saying this to say this. You know, as Paul was getting sick and sicker, he became nice and nicer. Uh because even as I'm going to, we're going to talk about this yeah. one thing from comedian Pierre. He, Pierre even said in his commentary, you know, Paul wasn't the most personable motherfucker in the world. So as great as that experience was for you, and, and, and I don't think it should be diminished uh, just because. But I wonder if you would have had that same experience with him pre I, I, I don't know, but what I will tell you, because uh, you were on stage when I was hanging out with him, and this is this is the truth about it. Um, first, he wouldn't let me have a picture with him. Yeah, that sounds like Paul. That was first. He said no, and he said to his man, his his manager, or his guy, and he said, no, "We'll see how it goes." Well, hmm. you know, and and they sat down, and uh, we were watching. I was watching basketball, I believe, at the time, and uh, his manager said, "He Paul likes to watch like movies," and so I said. Fuck, Paul can watch whatever the fuck he wants to. You know, it's it's his TV now. Right. You know, and so they put on movies. And then Paul tested me. He said a bunch of shit to me to see what my reaction was going to be. Do and, you remember what he said? Yeah. Well, he was telling me about all the old Hollywood women and how they like to fuck black dudes and how they like to fuck him and, or he, who he fucked. And he was just seeing how I would react to this kind of uh, things that he was saying. He ah, was the whores. What? <laughs> But like, huh? You know, it was forbidden for the white woman to taste that black fruit. You know, most of the men they fucked were their husbands. Ah, the 50s and the 60s and the golden years. When they were housewives, they did what they were told. And when their white zaddies came home, they bent over and took it like a champ. But then when their husbands weren't looking, they drove to the other side of town where the niggas live. For what reason? We know what it is. That huge monkey cock. Ah, forbidden niggas. It's the best tasting fruit. Like they say, the darker the nigger, the sweeter the berry. Go ahead. Um, so, yeah, what you just said right there, all that. <laughs> he, uh, but no, he, t- he, he, you know, he put it to me a little bit to see what kind of who I was. Right. And uh, by the end of it, he was like, yeah, let's get this picture. Right. And he was having fun with me, and he was making – and what was – what was hard is that I couldn't tell, like, because someone, I was already told, you know, that Paul isn't 100%. And so I couldn't tell if he was not 100%. And by, by, by the end, I could tell that he was who he was supposed to be. And he was giving me the business. And then he right. relaxed and we had a good time. Um, I really enjoyed it. But that, I, he could have never took the picture with me. He could have never, like, been nice to me that whole time. And I still would be happy that I met him. Because right. that, that, is, that is, you know... That's that that energy of, of prior, right. and, 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 you know, and, and in that same grouping. And that prior, I never got to meet because I was an idiot and never followed my dreams when I was younger and never did comedy. And I could have met prior, you know, right. he, he was accessible to comics. Mm-hmm. Not 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 saying hang out, but you could meet him. I mean, right. Uh, and so that that energy of Mooney and, and, and prior, I, I I at least got to experience half of it. Right. So I, I was very happy with, with that. 
But he, he's definitely been an influence in my life, and I've watched everything he's done. Ah, Brett Butler here again. Before we sign off, let me just say to all the white women out there who still love niggas, keep doing what you're doing. We love fucking you for the culture. It's a revenge thing. There's nothing better than getting jammed in the ass with nigga dick and when he comes being shot with monkey juice. Um, and I wonder why more people don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I sent out a tribute video and uh, I'll recreate it a little bit. Homie, I'm gone. All of you know it. I was a goddamn genius. Hollywood did not give me my flowers because I was too black, too real, too raw, too strong, too truthful. But I was a goddamn genius. I invented comedy when the first jokes were written on the caves and hieroglyphics. Nigga, I wrote them. White people, all of you, all of the shows I've written on, <laughs> all of you have taken from me. All of you. First you stole niggas, then you stole my material. You, I know you, and you're scared of me. I know you're scared of me. I watch you run out of the clubs like little bunny rabbits. You're scared of me, but you can't run from me. Now that I'm dead, I will come get you in your dreams. I will chase you at night. I am Freddy nigger. You cannot run from me. And I'm going to confirm now, God is black. That's right, baby. God is a nigger. God is Al Green. Um, you know, I did that, that, that post, and here's something I thought about, and it's so disheartening. First of all, shout out to D.L. Hewley, Bill Bellamy, uh, Russell Peters, Guy Torrey, and a very Someone who I didn't even—I've never met, Amanda Seals. You know who that is, right? Yes. All of them reposted my shit, but Amanda Seals has 1.8 million followers, and because of her, over 200,000 people saw it. And then between D.L. Hewley, Russell Peters, Bill Bellamy, and uh, Guy Tory, and what I posted myself, almost at a million views. And Cedric was going to do it, but he couldn't figure something out on how to do the repost. Um, and it just, you know, it, it's so crazy to me that this should be automatic. I wish black people, and I've said this before on the podcast, this Hollywood circle, this black Hollywood circle is so very small. Why don't we support each other? If we were like the mafia. Again, like when you look on the movies and they got the fucking, the FBI got the board and they got the head boss picture at the very top of the pyramid and everybody beneath them is a capo, a soldier, a lieutenant, but then there's the boss. If all of us were to connect like that and repost each other, we should be able to call each other up and go, yo, I just put something together, repost my shit. Okay, I got you. Do the same for me. We should all be able to go viral. There's no reason none of us shouldn't be going viral every fucking single time. And it's so fucked up that we don't do that for each other. It should be automatic. Um, so I, so thank you. And I, and I hit Amanda because I, I know her, but I don't know her. I know her from comedy. Yeah. Um, and I was like, yo, Queen, I know you didn't have to do that. Thank you so much. It meant a lot. And she was like, no problem. I respect you. And obviously, I don't have the kind of followers or a lot of celebrity followers. I got a few, but I don't have a lot of celebrity followers. But I'm looking at the comment section and their shit from my post. And I mean, Wanda Sykes. Oh, that was fire. Motherfucking 
John Legend, yo, Aries is incredible, fucking Layla Hathaway, and on and on and on. And I'm going, that right there is the networking. Like maybe people didn't, that didn't follow me before now see my shit and go, yo, I'm going to follow this nigga. And I just, I, I think it's so fucking crazy that we don't do this for each other, man. Um, start your own movement. Start, start your own Black Hollywood Mafia. Yeah, well, you know, all that sounds nice, and I always try to start something, but when you're carrying a lot of weight by yourself, you get tired quick. Have you posted anybody's shit? Yes, nigga, okay. all the time. Then follow up with them. Let's start posting our shit together. I hear you. Uh, I'm not telling you that that would work. I'm just saying someone, I, has, I someone has to be the catalyst. And it's a, and, and funny, it's because I, I, I asked Tiffany, uh, I, t- I spoke with Tiffany, and I said, hey, Tiffany, can you repost this? And she said to me, uh, yeah, I have to watch it first and see if it's in alignment. And I, and I said, alignment? Boy, that Hollywood talk. And she said, that ain't Hollywood talk. That's protect the brand talk. And so I hit her back and I said, you know, Tiffany, I shouldn't have to explain this to you. And don't worry. I mean, I get it. You know, unless if I was sending you something foul and crazy, anti-Semitic, racist, fucked up, sexual and bad nature, I get it. But if but if you already know and I'm telling you, Cedric tried to repost it, this one, this one, this one, and this one reposted it. That's just about showing love within our comedy community and support. So what are you talking about? Alignment. And I just felt like, you know, I don't know. She might be on her Hollywood shit, man. But she might have a brand to protect. Well, I'm sure. I'm not saying she doesn't. But again, I'm just simply saying it in terms of, uh, if I, again, unless I'm sending you something that, right. th- that you know is going to be like, oh, I can't post that. But I'm telling you, all these people reposted it. Right. So it's got the official USDA seal of approval on it. Yeah, but you, Tiffany... As big as Tiffany is, she came up a hard way. She worked a long time. We, we all do. And then popped, though. And she did it later, though, in life. And I'm sure she's trying to protect it and make that uh, last as long as possible. Right. So that, I mean, I understand what you're saying. I really do. I understand what you're saying. But generally, someone who comes into it a little bit later is a little bit more protective because they, they they just got there. They're trying to figure their way out. Or I would look at it as somebody who came into it a little bit later has gone through enough to know what it's like to struggle, to know what it's like to need that help, to know what it's like to need that push. You know, if you Tiffany Haddish and you got 15 million followers and you repost that, not, you, that you know how many eyes that puts on me? You know how, how much that helps me? Yeah. I'm just asking. And I said to Tiffany, I said, Tiff, ever since you blew up, I've never asked you for anything. I ain't asked you to put me in shit. I haven't hounded you. I don't even call you because I know you on another level now. But I'm just simply asking, can you help my numbers come up, which helps me in the long run? So, again, I know it's a delicate thing because I I get the brand thing. But, like I said, if all these other people signed off on it out of support and love for what we do as a comedy community, a comedy family... What's the problem? I'm like I said, I didn't disagree with you. I'm just also seeing, you know, her side, her side, you know, and her. I, again, just you know, you're fear. I, I don't want to use the word fearful, but I mean, you're you you don't want you're you're you're, care, you're careful about your steps because you want to make sure you get to stay 
in Hollywood's good graces for as long as possible. I'd like to, you know, this is one of those where I'd like to really throw to the listeners. Email me and tell me what you think. Because uh, I hear what Andy's saying about, yes, you want to protect your brand, but I also think there's some validity into what I'm saying. And I would be curious to know y'all's opinion on that. Is she being Hollywood or is she being, you know, authentically protective of the brand? Um, now, let's get back to Paul. Uh, <laughs> um, and listen, I'm one of those people that will say, and I'm not saying he's not. When you know his history, the shows that he's written for, the people that he's worked with. Yes, I, I legend. Uh, my question becomes, though, is he really, though? What's the, what's the one Saturday Night Skit that you remember over all Saturday Night Skits? The nigga skit with Pryor. Who wrote it? He did. Yeah. He's, he, he, his fingerprint is on many, many things that are legendary. Is he the legend? No, he's, the back, he's in the background. But his fingerprint's on a lot of things. Because maybe you saw it. I didn't. Maybe I don't know. But I didn't see The news didn't even cover it, his death. I didn't really watch the news at the time, but no, I don't think they did because, like I said, he wasn't, he wasn't mainstream. Okay. He wasn't mainstream. Comics, the, the comedy community knew who he was. And, and to your point of what you're saying, uh, you know, not, like, this is, I don't want to make this a Tiffany thing for me. It's a, you, you do what you need to do. Uh, but that's, that's, that's the fear. If you, if you aren't Hollywood uh, approved, that's what happens. Uh, and see, again, you, you, that's that fine line because you want to be validated by what you do. But you also don't want to feel, as especially for a black performer, that you need that approval. You need their approval to be worth something. And I, I remember when we did the photo shoot for uh this is just after we had done uh the first Shaq's All Star Comedy Jam with me, Tommy, Kevin, D Ray and Cedric. And then they were gonna put out the D V D and we had to do the photo shoot for the cover of it. And I always thought Tommy Davidson never got his respect. For as talented as he is, for as animated as he is, I always felt he should have been a bigger star. And I remember during the photo shoot I kinda mentioned that to Tommy and Tommy said, but I am that. So apparently he doesn't need that validation from Hollywood. He believes he is who he is and where he is is proper based on his own belief. But if, if the measuring stick is accolades, awards, movies, magazine covers, a certain amount of uh, pay a, a, a certain amount of recognition fame wise he's not that on paper you're talking about Tommy yeah Tommy okay yeah but he's going I am that so when, to your point about the industry didn't give Paul that but most would say Paul was that yeah and I, I don't think Paul which counts well, let me ask you this. Do you think, Paul, if you could say, here, Paul, here's... I, I don't know, because I don't know him, to, to, but I, I, I can ask the question. I can give you the legend status in, with, through comedians, through a history of comedy, and that your place is cemented in that. 
and maybe not as the top, not as the number one stand-up, not as the number one writer, not as, but as a legend in there that, like I said, his fingerprints on things. Would he take that over a big career where he didn't get to say what he wanted to say? He didn't get to do what he wanted to do the way he wanted to do it. Right. Would he accept? Would he accept that the the accolades and the money and the uh, and the fame versus what he wanted to say? I don't think that he could have lived with himself if he wouldn't have said what he wanted to say. And speaking of that, um, let me ask you. And again, I'm, I'm, this is all back and forth for the for the for the conversation. I, I'm not saying that this is my uh, opinion or position, but I'm just saying, like you know, when you look at all of Paul's albums and his material, everything was race. There was no hey, here's jokes about my family. Here's jokes about relationships. Here's jokes about strictly politics. So, yeah, man, I just, you know, other than race, Paul just never talked, man, woman shit, political shit, kids, family shit, pop culture shit. It was just race. And when you do an hour to an hour and a half on stage of nothing but race, white people, white people, white people, white people, you white people, white people, niggas and the niggas and the niggas. Does it become too much? And keep in mind, I know we talk heavily about race, but we also mix in other shit. You know, whether it's the Marvel Roundup, Marvel Roundup, or talking about Injustice League, or talking about women, man, woman shit, bringing Kyla Lacey in, celebrity interviews, sports. We're a buffet. Paul was never a buffet. There was one thing on that menu, and one thing only. He talked about women a little bit. No. When? A little. Name a bit. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. He didn't talk about nothing but race. Um, but again, my question, is it too much? You know, I don't, if that was it, if it, I don't think that we would like, we would, as a comedians, if that was his only note. But it was. But now, you know, when, he did, when they did the prior show. Right. There was all kinds of... But well, uh, we're not talking about TV. We're talking about stand-up. Okay. People ain't walking out of, the, out of their house during the prior show. Right, okay. People are walking out of his shows. White people are walking out of his shows. But I, I get... I understand, and I agree with you on that. But, I mean, when he would write skits, like, for the, for the prior show, right. there was deeper meaning behind everything uh, in, in the skits that they did. Mm-hmm. I thought, I thought this, that show was genius. That what was four episodes? Yeah. Um. And and he was he was he was part of that. I, I mean, you keep talking about the show. I'm asking you about his stand up. His stand up was, I think, would have been really hard for uh, the average white person to enjoy. Here's what I, you know, I did this um, for for Washington Post, uh, and I found out Donnell Rawlings did it. I did it. Who else did the lady say she interviewed? Robert Townsend. Anyway, she she interviewed a few black comedians about Paul. And here was how I best described it. And and I said, to me, every black comic is going to talk about race. And again, I've heard white comics, particularly Bill Burr, talk about how hacky it is that black comics, oh, white people, black people, white people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And again, I said back then, I thought that was a little arrogant on his part uh, or anybody else's part that says that because, again, we live in this skin. This is our uniform. It don't come off. And race is a part of American culture. And racism, I should say, is part of American culture. And it's what we live and it's what we know and what we experience and what we see. 
So to not address the elephant in the room would be outrageous. And, you know, we're truth tellers. But I think the difference is, and I'm going to look at it from a, from a slave standpoint. When you look at iconic slave heroes, Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth, Frederick Douglass, that's who Dave Chappelle is, Eddie Griffin, me, any black comic that talks about race. But those people, Frederick, Sojourney, Harriet, go down easy on the white palette. Paul is Nat Turner, and that don't go down easy. Paul's killing the women and the children. He's killing the white babies. And, you know, because, because it, I'm, I'm thinking it can't just solely be about the race because we all talk race. Eddie Griffin, I, like I said, go through them all. DL, me, Chris, Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, Patrice when he was alive. It's what we do. It's what we have to do. Now, granted, that's not all we talked about. Right. But even when we talked about race, we didn't come off like Paul comes off. Paul's hard, and, and I'm, I'm not saying that's my, I can't take it. Of course I can. And most black people could take it because we know. But some white people just couldn't take that. Well, see, but I think that was, you know, like I said, when I met him, I felt there's like a test that he has for people if you're going to hang out. Like, and I think that's part of the audience test, too. How much can you take? I, I, can you take as much as I can give? Right. I, I don't know if that's true. I just I felt that way when I was when I met him, and you know when you watch sets, or mm-hmm. clips where you do see people walking out, they couldn't right. take it. And I would like to know what was it they couldn't take? The truth. What, what, but again, we're all speaking the truth. But Paul's truth goes down different. And I'm gonna say this, and, and I, I I recognize Paul for the great comic that he was. But sometimes I would listen to his stuff and there would be moments where I go, is this comedy? The the way he's delivering it, is this comedy? Because I don't want to say it felt like a sermon or it felt, I don't know what the right word to describe it is. But again, if if it's like I got a knife and I'm doing a stabbing motion, like most motherfuckers might carve the turkey, you know, cut it and carve it. Pause. He's shanking you. Yeah, his it wasn't. Uh, you know, it wasn't a pass. It wasn't his, the race issue. wasn't a passing uh, part of his act. It like you said, it was the act, and he was going to. You know what I think it is, and when you say that, what's the difference between like how some how a lot of people approach race, uh, how a lot of black comics approach race. And you, you say something all the time. You say, I'm not saying all white people. I'm saying right. Paul didn't make that distinction. You know what? That might be it then. It was all white people. Yeah, because he was all you motherfuckers. You're white people. You, white people. You, well, you might be right. There was no escape clause. There was no, there was no raft where you could get in it and feel, uh, I'm okay because I'm not that. Not that. You were part of that. If you went to his show and you were white, you were part of that. Right. And, God, if you, and you, yeah, yeah, you had if you, and if you couldn't accept that you were part of that, then I think that it's hard. I, I think it's hard for for the average white person to understand. No matter how they act in this world, no matter what they think, what their feelings, 
Right. They have to accept that they're still part of that structure. Right. And I don't think that um, a lot of, uh, especially, especially caring, and I hate to say this, because you know there's there's in in that white community the liberal side and and the con- super conservative side I feel are very close to each other sometimes on what they're willing to accept I, I think almost the real conservative side realizes who they are and if they heard it they'd go yep that's who I am right. but that liberal side the side that wants things to be perfect like the, and that that they're the good ones when you, when you touch their feelings it's because it, they don't want to accept that they're part of it. And they're part of it. And that's why they have these big swings on what they're trying to do. I, I, I mean, I, I support that liberal agenda, but, they have to, but when you're liberal, you also have to realize that there's, there's still consequences and you still have to do. You just can't say. Right. I, I don't know. And I think that that's how I, I think that he called every single white person out in his shows for exactly what was what's happening in that moment in the country right now that has been allowed to happen for all this time. So if you can't take that, then yeah, you're going to have a problem with the show. Like when you go to YouTube and if you were to look up any black comedian set and when they're talking about race, most of the comments and especially from a lot of white people, funny, that guy's funny. That was a funny bit. When you look at the comments on the poll, that guy's racist. <laughs> He's racist. That's what I'm just saying. Like his, you know. But it, yeah, again, that's what I. That's that's the only thing I can sum it up to, or chalk it up to. That's that's. He didn't give. No one got a pass. If you're if you, if that's where your category, if that's what you fit into, you right. you take responsibility too. I, and I think that's the honest way, uh, to go about this. Um, and I think I think in in some ways that idea is what's happening is why when someone steps out of line now it's part of white america to go nope we can't have you do that anymore we can't have you here anymore right so i I don't know i I think he was ahead i I think he was very ahead of his time but you know um, you know what you're saying about uh paul and what i'm saying about him it kind of reminds me of uh this is my name thing again and i might i had his name in my head when i was uh Little Money. Eddie Murphy was big money. Little Money was uh, uh, who who was in the show? who was in uh, Coming to America with him. You talking about the sequel or the first no, one? No, the first one. Who's, who's sitting home? Oh yeah, thank yeah. you. How's Little Money? Well, I don't understand that. Yeah, at the time when Eddie Murphy was the biggest star. Oh okay, 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 okay. They yeah. would they, they would refer to each other as Big Money, Little Money. Oh okay, I didn't know that. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah. I thought you. I thought you would. You would no, uh, I, yeah. I never heard. Big of that. Money, Little Money. Right. Um, Arsenio Hall talks about like when he has a heckler. Like you, you when you get a heckler, right? You like to fuck with them and make them feel kind of dumb, but in a funny way, right? You, Arsenio talks about. I just I, I hate them. I, I in my mind, I just want them dead. Like he's just like I'll say things about their mother, about right. their head. Like I hope they die of cancer. Like he just he right. goes in in a. Dis- and, and did he say that in a? In, in my in, in my head kind of thing. No, no, or, no. I mean, he, he going does, up against them. Uh, going up against them. Oh, okay. So that I, I think that's kind of the difference uh, on like what we're ta- how we're talking about race. Paul was I'm going to get you with everything, and if you survive, we're we're good. We're good. And most people want to put it in a joke so that they can have everybody understand and still feel okay about un- being sitting there and understanding what your point was. Paul didn't care. He really didn't. And, and you know, 
if we had ever gotten a chance to interview him, especially when he was in his peak Paulness, I would love to have asked him, Paul, do you ever talk about any? And I'm sure he would have gave me some nigga. Let me tell you something. But I would have loved to have known, dude. Do you do you ever want to talk about anything else? <laughs> Oh, that got you. No, the reason it did is because that was like half Paul Mooney the, the, right. and half uh, the pit bull of comedy there, Bobby Slayton. Oh, that's funny. Nigga, all of that. They merge into one person right. when, you, when right. you do what you do it that way. Um, yeah, I would have liked to have known, Paul, don't you ever want to talk about anything other than race? Your every album you've ever made from Hello to Goodnight is race. Yeah, someone had to do it. Yeah, I just would, you know. I wish you would. Unless it's from the person stepping back and playing the devil's advocate. That's why I go, listen. And now when I think about it, as you say it, he created Homie the Clown. He did that skit, like you said, with Chase and Pryor. Uh, I was watching something, and they showed the clip where he did the episode of Sanford and Son where uh, Fred Sanford was in court, and the cop that gave him the ticket, Fred goes, do you give other people ticket or is it just black folks? And, and the cop goes, I give people, I, people of all races tickets. He goes, really? Look in this courtroom. Ain't nothing in here but a bunch of niggas. Is it recording? Yeah, I just wanted to see what it oh. He goes, ain't nothing here but a bunch of niggas. This shit looked like a Tarzan movie. And it, and it was documented, it was the first time in a sitcom that nigga had been said. So he has done trailblazing shit. But I go, if all you've ever talked about is race in your one note in that sense, are you are you really a legend? But I but yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. That was his lane. He just stuck in it. Okay. I, I mean I, I, I have like you know, when you said uh you would if you got to interview him, you would want to ask him that question. Right. When I saw him, I didn't want to say anything. I just wanted to hear him. I, it was just, yeah. I'm telling you from from maybe you have a little bit different because you come from a you come from two different places than I do on this. You're a comedian that is uh, an established uh, person that's of leg of, of status in in comedy. I was going to say legend, but I know you don't like when people say that. So, yeah. but you are you're on a status level of comedy where right. you hit a threshold. So you there's different conversations that you'd want to have with another person that was in the same genre. Plus, right. you were both black. Right. So there's a, there's two places to come in when you guys speak to each other in a different way than I could. But I was just, I just saw the legend there. You know, I just wanted to talk to the, you know, to the guy that, I remember these, these you know, I, I, I knew enough about comedy and I knew what he had done uh, that, to me, I was just like, this is the, and I, and I hate to say this because it's not to demean Paul, but it was like, this is the closest I'm going to get to Pryor. Right. And so that, that that was it for me. You know, uh, back to c comedian Pierre. Uh, Pierre said that there were celebrities who were afraid to support Paul. They said when Paul would perform, Eddie Murphy would come in, da uh, David Letterman would come in, certain celebrities would come into the comedy store and sit way in the corner, in a dark corner where they couldn't be seen because they were scared to support Paul openly. That's how, in terms of the industry, cancerous he was. And um, I just think that's a goddamn shame, man. You know? Um, yeah, 
I, I just, you know. A great read, by the way, if you haven't read it. I, I've read it. Paul had that book, Black is the New White, and I've never been much of a reader, but uh, I read that from cover to cover in two days. Uh, that's how good it was. So uh, if any of y'all out there feel like, you know, getting deeper into Paul, get that book, Paul Mooney's Black is the New White. Uh, before I go, I'm going to get on my soapbox real quick. Um, you want to tell everybody where we are before you get on your soapbox? Right now? Oh, yeah, we already told them we're going to yeah, be in Irvine. Yeah, you told them at the yeah. beginning. Okay. And I'd say we're in Philly next week. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. I apologize. Well, they can't go below, nigga. Yeah, I got some finally. Steve brought us, uh, Steve, <laughs> our, our sound. He's and, from here. And, yeah, from Phoenix, our, our sound and producer. Uh, he, uh, he brought me a ginkgo biloba, and he brought you some Pepto-Bismol. Yeah, uh, which was cute. And really, I don't even need the Pepto today. It's, it's pretty, I'm pretty impressed right I now. I think it's because I'm sitting upright. It's upright. Doing something to it's my because spine. It, it's because we just ate, and it hasn't kicked in yet, is what it is. Oh, well, we'll see what happens during the email episode. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit. First of all, let me send the brother some praises, because I do love him. Uh, I got nothing but love for him and respect for him. Uh, my man, Godfrey. Uh, but we're competitive. And I don't mean just me and him. I mean, this industry is competitive. Uh, but yes, he and I are competitive. It's pissing me off that people are praising his Paul Mooney so much. It's pissing me off. And I give praises to Godfrey on all his impressions. His Richard, his, his, his Steve Harvey, of course. Um, but this nigga is getting a lot of praise for his prior, and it's 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 angering me because I'm going, he sounds nothing like Paul Mooney. The cadence is there, the mannerisms is there, but the voice is not there, and I can't stand it. Um, so I'm going to play for you his rendition and then my rendition, and I would like to take it out of my opinion and put it in the fans' hands. And I want y'all to write it, and not just because you listen to this podcast or because... You know, your fans of mine. If y'all think his is better, let me hear it. You gonna play it on here? Or you or do you think you should have them posted on IG, yours and his, and have them write in? So that they Well we've already done that. Oh. We, we've already done that. Yeah, but not on our IG, did we? Uh we could still do that. Okay. Um So that you can actually look at the, the facial. Yeah, but but so here we go. Uh this is uh shit, this one just cut off. This is Godfrey's Paul Mooney. I'm very proud of what I did. I'm very proud of my work. Um, a lot of um, a lot of um, a lot of uh, black comedians were afraid. They were afraid. Uh, Richard was brilliant. He was genius. He was genius. I mean, he was genius. Uh, he did. He wasn't afraid to go there. You know, a lot of Negroes tap danced. They tap danced around the race issue. And uh, they were afraid. And me and Richard, we didn't give a fuck. We really didn't give a fuck because we lived it. You know, white folks kill me because white folks will really, um, white folks will tell you like, um, oh, it's not, it's it's not that bad. I mean, they really would say that shit to you. They would say that to you and it would anger me. It would make me so angry. Because now I'm gonna play mine. What, what'd you think? Just, just play yours. This is me when I was on the Karen Hunter show. Uh, she has a serious XM radio show in New York. And at this time, uh, joining us was uh, Miss Sylvia. And I did her podcast a ways ago. 
Um, so this is me doing Paul Mooney, and this is Miss Sylvia. And I love her laugh. It's so fucking beautiful and so infectious. Here we go. Where are you on Paul Mooney? Let me tell you something. Them niggas, all of you niggas have been going crazy for that goddamn Popeye's chicken sandwich. <laughs> White folks are trying to kill you, and they know how to do it. And he's doing the odds. That goddamn Paul's chicken sandwich. Eyes are Two just years like from that. now, you niggas are going to find out you have mesothelioma. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't got that goddamn chicken. Slaves came back for this chicken. I saw Sojourner Truth and Frederick Douglass ordering three of them goddamn sandwiches. I know why you niggas love that chicken. It's what's in the batter. Oh, Aretha Franklin's ashes are in the batter. That chicken got sold. I've been into a breast. Nigga, it was a breast. That goddamn chicken sandwich was tastier. That goddamn chicken sandwich was tastier than Richard. Oh, man. I think I have to get a hold on a second. I'm going to just continue it, but I think I got to get another speaker. I think this thing is starting to break down. On is it? Me. Yeah. Because it's been making some weird noises. Oh, shit. Here we go. No. But go hard. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, um, okay. You were, that was a yeah, suggestion. Yeah, that went there. Wasn't it, wasn't it a suggestion? <laughs> no, I, I set him up. I, I, you, no, no, that, that, that was, was a lot. You dunked that I one. had to dunk that one. You did. No, yeah. no, no, no. I'm saying the last sentence. Oh, Wasn't I knew it, it was coming. Oh, okay. I mean, I didn't know it was coming the way it came. Neither did Richard's son. <laughs> <laughs> but it came back. Yo. <laughs> I cannot. See, well, you, see, you have laughter in the background of yours. So you but even say, if you didn't. No, I, I've, I'm not. I've said it before. I love Godfrey's impressions. I think God, but you, hands down. Your money's like, like not. It's not close. And still, heavyweight champion of the world. But come uh, on, man. Yeah, but you know he don't sound nothing like Paul. And and you said he had the cadence. He he didn't have the cadence in that. And that last line when she goes, I didn't see it coming the way that it came. Neither did Richard Son. That rhythm. Neither did Richard's son. That's so Paul Mooney. And, and and Paul changed up his cadence depending on what he was. And, he, and you seem to catch all that depending on the the timing and where it goes right. in, in, in as he speaks. Um, listen, uh, but Godfrey has some great impressions. That is not any any way to demean Godfrey. But no, I just it's funny when when you put it when you put them to, next to each other like that. It, it really, it, it really. Come really on, man. And it, it, but and you know it's it's amazing because again I know listen at the end of the day it's all subjective, but it's almost like when you when you when you hear somebody sing, and you know they really can't, but you hear other people around them go, "That was great." What? Are you fucking kidding me? If you thought that was great, oh boy. There's the one that me and you did. Um two years ago on the road. Right. I wish we could... I'm going to have to find that and uh, send it over to um, Anthony. Which... What do you mean? The one we, we did on the sofa. We were, I don't know if I remember what city it was. And you put on the whole head. You, you did the... Oh, right, right. The palm... The, the, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't remember what you used. Oh, I, I, cut, I cut the sleeve off You cut off the sleeve shirt. off a shirt. That's yeah. right. I just remember... Uh, 
it wasn't a do rag or anything like that. It was no, a, yeah, no. You, know, you uh, but you uh, it, the way you set it up and, and we did it, it. It's really funny. But I don't know. I, I don't know how those two are, are comparable. But some people just have some. But some people like you, it, Paul fits into your voice perfectly. Right. Um, who, who, what's, which one is uh, Godfrey's? Which one's his? Bit? Steve Harvey. Yeah, that's Steve Harvey. Oh, that's ridiculous. fucking ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know. I, and I and I said too that you, uh, even though as you got older, your Al Pacino has moved into an, the older Al Pacino, and he still does the the younger Al Pacino. Who does Godfrey? Yeah, I've never heard him do Al Pacino. I'm pretty sure that there was. I'm I'm thinking it was him that did it that I'm that I'm thinking of. But it was a younger. It was the younger. Uh, oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I think that's it, brother. All right. I think that's uh, that's it. Um, so uh, rest in peace to the legend. Paul. Yeah, man. Um, rest in peace to Paul, man. I, you know, I uh, and I, you know, in terms of again, my body of work, I don't have the history that Paul has, but I kind of feel like I'm the new Paul Mooney. From not from a legendary status, but from a my career status with Hollywood, like I'm, I'm probably this is it. This is as good as it's going to get. Do, do you do you not think that there's other people that feel like they're just out Hollywood just put them on the shelf too? Yeah, of course, I'm sure there are some out there. That just means I'm on the shelf with the motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Make room, nigga. I'm here to collect dust too. Uh, <sighs> what a somber note. Uh, anything you gotta add on before we get out this bitch? No, man. I think we're good. All right. Um, Philly, see y'all next week. We can't wait. Hey, yo, Mick. You Paul, you gonna come by watch me train? Um, oh, and that's it after after Philly. Um, I'm, I'm gonna become. You're not gonna enjoy being around. I'm not gonna eat bad after Philly. Okay. I'm sure. gonna. I'm, I'm. I'm ready to. Me too, motherfucker. Philly's it, though, because I'm not fucking passing up them cheesesteaks. All right. Yeah, fuck it. Irvine ain't nothing special. All right. You sticking to this? Yeah. All right. What you going to start eating? Fish. More fish. 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 And a lot of vegetables. Some more vegetables. Not too many. I'm not the hugest. Vet. There's vegetables I like, but I'm just not. I don't like What's your favorite them. vegetable? Uh, I don't really have. I don't have a favorite. I don't like. Well, what them. do you? What do you? What can you? You know, tolerate I, like, like broccoli is fine. Broccoli, I like broccoli. Uh, I like. Uh, you like a good sautéed spinach? Sautéed spinach is fine, but I prefer uh, like a spinach salad that isn't been you know that isn't sautéed at all. Like, I like sautéed. I like cream spinach. Even though yeah, that's not, not good for you. I, I yeah. Uh, uh, you like, Brussels sprouts? I can't stand Brussels sprouts. No. And carrots. Carrot? How do you not like I carrots? I hate carrots, dude. Ugh. You like cauliflower? Yeah, if it's done right. Peas? Yeah. I'm not really a pea fan. You like I lima like, beans? Uh, nah. Well, I, I like asparagus. Asparagus is good, but makes your pee stink. Well, you know, unless the bitch is swallowing piss. <laughs> Don't matter. Um, but yeah, that's it for me, man. Broccoli, asparagus, spinach, green beans. Fresh green beans. You know, it's, my problem is, and I don't know if this affected you, um... Because I'm again ten years older than you. Every vegetable that we had came out of a can when I was growing up. Does that mean it's less in value? It just didn't taste good. Like green beans have been sitting in water in a can for 
how many whatever months before it came off the shelf, and your mom would. That's when you boil it in butter. It still tastes. Like, it, it it just it had like a mushy, mm. gross taste. You like them when they got a little bit of a crunch. snap to it. Yeah, snap, yeah. right. Um, carrots. I mean, not not carrots. Corn is not a vegetable, right? Well, corn's. I think corn's a vegetable. Yeah, love corn. Corn's good, corn but doesn't it doesn't have a lot of nutritional value. Yeah. Um, I like a, I, I don't like tomatoes, but it, which is tr- technically a fruit anyway. But I can right. eat some sun dried tomatoes for flavor. Really? And what are onions? Onions are vegetables. Has to be a vegetable, right? It ain't a fruit. No, has to be a vegetable. My mother used to be able to eat onions like it was an apple. Some people like that. Shit. That shit's crazy. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> Woof. All right. Um, this is D Raps. Ba ba ba. He says, "I'd be honored if you played my music." That's more ears that I need to hear me. I'm D-Raps, and I am the king of hip-hop, not to sound dramatic. ID, if we play this shit, and this shit is worthy of being signed to Garbage Bag Productions, uh, that king of hip-hop shit going to be a bad look, Jack. This shit better be fire. Uh, Listen to Heavy is the Head featuring Phantom by D-Raps on SoundCloud. His Facebook is D-R-A-P. S I A M H I P H O P at Facebook D underscore R A P S underscore I am hip hop four oh two is his Instagram and D underscore R A P S four oh two at Twitter. Uh heavy is the head. Enjoy. Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Seems to me that I am worthy of this crown of missile. I'm shooting at you other rappers like an ammo cheat code. Like a million missiles with a grenade, here you go. Anybody can get it, my eyes are set on the throne. Don't have a need for a sniper, a punk ass, a blimmin' no. I've been right here so you bitches can witness and see me grow. Born and raised in the Bronx, but Omaha is my home. Man, I'm destined for greatness, I got that shit in my bones. This is something created, not duplicated, a clone. I'm that nigga, I said it, my aura take bitches home. Style is super fly, but miss me with the hair and the comb. Fuck it, nigga, I'm on. You're listening to the king. Battling for the throne while kicking asses and teeth. You bitches thought I was down. You bitches thought I was weak. See, all my life I had bitches like you who thought shit was sweet. Until I'm breaking your nose, breaking your jaw, plus your knee. Boy, I'll be adding that pressure. Make diamonds at your defeat. The art of rapper professor, cause lyrically I could teach all you sucker rappers some seats and not ever fuck with the D. I went from miles.